could taste sweeter in this town Could it be it's the same as the last? I swear I've seen your face elsewhere before Just as familiar as a bottle and a glass Hey darling, sleeping on the black top Hey darling, running through the trees, honey Hey darling, leaving for the next town Listen, my set sketches up with me Alright guys, welcome back to episode number 8 of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. I am Shane Poor here as always, and I'm here with Christian Gardner. Yeah, that'd be me. Hey, you spoke up this time. I did. Good I was job. ready for it. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, you will notice something about this video that's not very common with us. It's daylight outside. Ta-da! We actually got to do a podcast before 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, for once. For once. It don't happen often. <laughs> I mean, we've been pushing it to the point <laughs> every time we do a podcast, yeah. we're about dead tired. So Yeah. We we told you we were starting to get on track. Well, finally, we are. <laughs> we're here. We're, we're here. and We're getting there. We almost got lazy. I was trying to get lazy, and you stopped me. Yeah. As we were closing up the gun <laughs> shop today, I was day. sitting here thinking, I'd really like to go home and take a nap, but... Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, we can't do that. we got a schedule to keep. Yep, and we're going to do it. Ta-da. But we are back. It is July 13th, Tuesday, July 13th. This episode, hopefully, will re- release tomorrow. Yep, the 14th. As we long hope. as everything goes according to plan, but we're Shit. recording it on time anyway. Yep. So, as long as the editor don't get slack. Yeah. He's a sorry somebody. Let our me editing you. staff's about Man, quarter-ass, but I it'll mean, be all right. It's awful. I don't know who does it. <laughs> I mean, they're just awful. We need to have them replaced. He's doing a better job. Well, I mean, I say that. I hadn't really seen anything out of episode two or season two yet. Hey, but. season two is coming. And actually, let's go ahead and announce that. If everything goes... I didn't know I we had everything. an announcement. We do have an announcement. Fantastic. Next Friday, Yay. season two. June ne- the 20th. No, no, no. July. No, it's July. Obviously July. July the... 23rd. 23rd. We will release season two July the 23rd. I mean, I know you guys gonna are happen. not going to hold your breath for it because we've said yeah, this. Yeah, we've said this how many times now? Several. But yeah. we're going to make it happen. Christian's yeah. going to make it happen. Everybody else has done their part. Yeah. Everything's filmed. <laughs> Most of, A lot of stuff's already been edited. Just got to finish and touches on a couple things. and a few talk sessions with the guys and we're ready be to ready go. to go. Just got to record all our interviews from, Heck from yeah. everything and we're, we're good to go. Yep. And we've got a lot of good stuff. We do have a lot <clears> of good stuff for season two. I'm excited about it because I haven't even got to see most of it. So yeah, it, there's a lot. I mean, there's a there's a ton of content coming at us. Heck yeah! I mean, big time. We'll have a. I don't know that we'll post a schedule, but that's what we're what I'm currently working on is an actual set schedule of what episodes and what short videos will be played when. Because like we mentioned before, we our plan is to have podcasts released on Wednesdays. Actual season episodes, full length episodes released on Fridays. Yeah. And then short episodes or short videos released on what would be Mondays. Like. So we're hitting you three times a week. Three times a week. All kinds of stuff. We've got plenty of stuff to show you. All kinds <laughs> Get of your stuff. fill of the North Carolina Rednecks. Yes. If you thought there was too much before. Just wait. Here we are. <laughs> we're coming at you with a vengeance. Recipe. we got all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, we've we'll got a lot of good stuff coming. How to cook bear meat the right way. All kinds of good stuff. Heck yeah. We need to get my mama to do one of those. She cooked bear meat? Oh my gosh. Him and uh, her. Her. Not she's, him. she's a girl. Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about, <clears throat> I think it was Danny Norwood. Uh, he's a big time bear hunter around here. And he mm-hmm. he smoked some. And oh my God. It's the best way I've had bear meat yet. Really? I'm hoping I can talk to him and have him do one, do some, do a video with us about that. Because that is the best way I've had bear meat 
ever. Yeah. Ever. Well, and there's a lot to be said about that. Let's just go ahead and dive off into our first tangent. Here we go. It doesn't matter how you cook it. There's going to be a difference in the way the bear tastes, depending on the way the bear is killed. Yep. I mean, unfortunately, that is a side effect of running a bear with a dog. Yep. The bear is excited. It's adrenaline's pumping. Yep. Which, in turn, leads to more blood in the meat. Yep. Uh, The meat's a little bit tougher. It can be a little bit greasier. I mean, a bear's greasy regardless. If you've never skinned a bear... When you get finished, I mean, there's bear grease everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's rough. They've they're, got a layer of fat on them that's probably two inches thick on it, big ones. and At least on it, little ones. Yeah. I mean, there are a I lot. Mean, there's a lot of fat there's there. There's a, a lot, of, lot of fat there. But where I was going with this, I'm not trashing bear hunting one way or another. I'm all for it right. any way we can get rid of them because I'm a deer hunter. Right. To me, I, I <laughs> yeah. hunt them with a slingshot just because they're a nuisance to me. But Yeah. Um. We killed a couple of bears a couple of years ago still hunting. During season, legally, they were just walking trails and come in on us. And I swear, I mean, we shot them with rifles, and basically it was like beefing a cow. They didn't know what hit them until the lights went out. Just right. bang, it, just everything was gone. Right. You could, we cut the hams up into steaks, and you could cut the steaks with a fork. Oh. Now, we were very precise and very careful about how we um process the meat all right we cut the muscles apart we got all the fat off of them all the gristle out and everything which there wasn't once you got all the fat off there wasn't that much stuff to do all right and i mean it was just you could tell when we were processing this animal that it was going to be tender i mean everything was just very tender very loose kind of and i mean you could tell when we were working it up it was going to be good yeah but she made some bear meat and gravy that if you put it on top of your head, your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. I guarantee you. I mean, it was good. It was very good. And the way she she cooks it, she slow cooked it. And I don't think it would have been any different if it would have been a dog run bear. Yeah. I mean, she, she's she got the touch when it comes to cooking meat like yeah, that. Yeah, we, so. we need to see if we can do a video right there. I mean, I'm sure she'd be happy yeah. to show us how it's done. We're going to have yeah. to get her some bear meat because we're all out. Yeah, we need to get we, some bear we meat killed started. two in one afternoon. I killed one and Dad killed one. I don't know if any, and that, they know. didn't last long. I don't know if anybody right now has any bear meat. I think everybody's everybody's eating every yeah. bit of it. Yeah, so we got to get on that. But anyway, there's a handful of ways you can do it, and we'll we'll get into that. And I'm sure we'll get we'll get some more uh, bear episodes going here soon on the podcast because we're getting we're getting closer to bear season. We're getting there. We're getting close to everything. Everything season. season. Yeah, I'm I mean, so it's, excited. It's midway through July. Yep, and. And that brings us to what we are going to talk about today. Yep. Um, we are in the dead middle of summer. I mean, we've been putting off talking about the summer scouting tactics and stuff until summer got here. Guess what? We're there. We're here. If you are not scouting for your whitetails at this point and using summer tech tactics to scout for whitetails, you're behind. You're behind. I and feel like I'm, on, I'm behind anyways because if I'm not mistaken this time last year i already had cameras up and stuff i'm just now getting where i'm getting cameras well, up one first thing i've noticed about you if you ain't behind something coming wrong, yeah. i mean yeah. you stay behind yeah that's true I, I got i woke up one morning i was running behind and i never got caught up since <laughs> i mean it just never never got back on track well you're not that far behind though i've been helping you get some stuff done yeah you're you're about we're getting there yeah slowly but surely we're, we're getting there we're a lot closer than we was two weeks ago well that's yeah 100 so. percent. but the deer are finally starting to build that frame up um you're finally being able to or at least i'm finally being able to know what deer are coming in yeah 
seeing who they are this year. I was showing you pictures this morning yep. of a deer that we've had pictures of. This will be the fifth year that we've had pictures of him. And he, yep. the first since he was a rack buck, he's named the slick six. Yep. He has been a bone slick six pointer. He has no brow tines. Yep. He has been, he would have been an eight point frame every year, but he has never had brow tines. Which was technically the deer I was trying to hunt at the very end. That was end the one you were looking for, for last year because yep. he was a mature for deer. The bone collector North American Whitetail Champion. Yeah. And he was a five year old last year, at least five year old. Yep. And he good was deer. a mature deer, big body deer, over well over 200 pound deer. Yeah, good deer. Well, but, now this year he's a really good deer. And really guess good what? He threw brow tines this year for the yeah. first time. Finally. Didn't take him but six and a half years, yeah. but he has finally grown a set of brow tines. They're not anything impressive. They're inch and a half, two inches long, but hey, it just tickles me. They're, they're brow tines. He's an eight point this year. He's yeah. still named the slick six. That's yep. just, he, after you call one that for four years, you yeah, really got to stick, stick with, with it. it. But he huh. has finally thrown some brow tines, and not to mention he has kept his nose in a trough of Big and J. Yeah all summer long and that deer will easily weigh 230 240 i mean you sh- we'll have to we'll put i'm sure we're gonna put the picture up on social media here some point soon that deer's big body he's deer. huge the rack don't i mean the rack's still a nice rack it, he's a nice rack it's deer, a he, rack deer he's, a, he's a great body deer he will probably end up grossing mid 120s yeah. he might crack into the puppy young range i doubt it right he's still got a month left of growing yeah and but I, he's as wide as he's gonna get he's about 15 it's gonna be 16 a tall inches rack, it looks like he's gonna be a tall well that's all he's up. always been a tall rack deer he's never put on a whole lot of width yeah but like i said we're finally to the point where we can start recognizing some of these homebodies that we have from year in year out yeah and that one's one for sure he's been here his entire life and i don't see him going very far until hopefully yep. somebody kills him have you seen any of your other deer like maybe the one you missed or anything last year that deer has not shown up because i have not been able to scout in that area oh gotcha gotcha, gotcha. that deer that i right. missed is in an area that is eight slap up of bears gotcha. um i put one of the new tactical reveal x's out there and we got pictures of bear mating in front oh, yeah. of the camera yep and then they tore the camera down, and then we got pictures of bear mating on top of the camera. Yeah. So, <laughs> what do you do? Needless to say, I pulled the bait pile, I pulled the camera, and I'm waiting yeah. for the guys that hunt that area to start baiting. They bait with peanuts. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina, it is legal to bait bear with processed food, or unprocessed food, sorry. Yep. Unprocessed, not for, processed, unprocessed. And if I'm not mistaken, through the length of first season... Like you can do it for the first part of season. I think it's the whole season, isn't it? No, I know you can't second season. Or at least you can't. What is it? You can't hunt, still hunt over peanuts after first season. After the first season, yeah. But first you season, can, you can, you can still keep baiting over. for dog for hunting uh, with yeah, dogs. I think so. That that's a question for Sam and those guys. That's the one thing I can't keep track of. I, yeah, don't. I'll, I'll leave that to the to the to those boys. <laughs> yeah, they know it inside and out. I'm, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's you can only still hunt over bait the first season. Yeah, because we were going to have and I Sean think Lundy like, come last I year. I think to, it's like the first to, week. Yeah. I think it's like the first week of the first season, but yeah. regardless. Either way. Anyways, yeah, once those guys, yeah, once those guys start feeding peanuts and stuff, that's going to pull the bears across yeah. the mountain, and then hopefully that'll open it up to the point. I mean, I was getting pictures of four and five bears at a time. Yeah, it was rough. And I had a big old sow with a couple of small cubs. I'm never nervous in the woods around here, except yeah. for right now. 
in the fall, I'll go in the pitch black dark with no light. I'm not worried about what I'm going to walk up on. Right. I'm usually, I mean, by that time, the cubs are big enough and they'll just run off. Right. This time of year, if you walk up on a sow and cubs, you're going to get charged if you ain't careful. Yeah. And I've been <laughs> charged by a bear twice. And both times was this time of year. I'm sorry. We have a squirrel moment. <laughs> yeah, I picked up. All right, time out. All right, story time. Okay. I'm sorry. I told you this. I sent you a video about this the other day. So, long story short, we're still not in my place yet. We're staying at the in-laws' place. Yep. And uh, I'd been out working on the deer spots, putting up game cameras and all that stuff. We'd eaten. And I'd come in, and I was getting ready to watch the, the NASCAR race on Sunday. Yeah. I'd laid on the couch for, I don't know, 10 minutes. I passed out. Went to sleep. Enough to, to have a dream. Yeah. Well, I started dreaming. And... I dreamed that I I was walking through the woods and I ran up on a, a sow and cubs. Yeah. Well, whatever. I was going to walk on around them and get out of there. Well, about the time I'm starting to backtrack, here's this dog comes up behind me, starts barking, freaks the mama bear out and the cubs. You know, she sends the cubs up a train. She starts puffing and blowing. Yeah. Dropping her teeth, just charging at me. Yeah. Well, oddly enough, there was a dog barking outside in in real life. Yeah. So it woke me up. I was like, oh, and I looked <laughs> over to the side, and Lacey's daddy, Joe, he had built a, uh, put it this way, I wake up and I get scared to death. I mean, come clearly off the couch, <laughs> fall on the floor, stub my toe, the whole nine, I mean, yeah. have the shit scared out of me. He was flat out. Yeah. Heart flying, because what's in the floor beside me is <laughs> basically a stuffed bear. A full body mount. A full body mount stuffed bear, because Joe had made a... It's for a bear bay for dogs for for dog competitions. Yeah, it's, it sets on a pivot and it moves back and forth and it growls, you know, and dogs can bay at it and then get points. It, it's a, it's a game for them, so yeah. To speak. But it was sitting in there because he has it inside, and I just woke up from that dream <laughs> and I, there was a real a dog bear. barking outside, and I look up and there's this bear right there. I'm like, oh god, hopped up, freaked out. I mean, scared me to death. And the bad part was when I got up, jumped off the couch, yeah. and like rolled over on the floor, I look up, and he's got a bear rug on the left-hand side, and there's a bear with its mouth open out there. I'm like, oh god, that don't help nothing. You had bear all over you. Yeah, there's a bear everywhere. But Sorry, a so, total side moment, but I was tore all to pieces for <laughs> a hot minute. I mean, just you talking about the mom and cubs thing. I've never I've never run upon mom I've and had cubs. it happen twice. The first time I was walking into a a spot just walking around in the woods and i look up and i see rhododendron ticket on both sides i see two cubs walk across the trail right in front of me about 15 20 yards yeah shoot um there's what do you do you can't see to the left you can't see the right you just stop right and then here comes the mama and she turned and starts bouncing up and down on her feet and popping her lips um a lot of people don't know this if their ears are up I'm not going to say you're fine, but you're better off. Right. I noticed her ears were still up, and so I just remained calm, and I seen the babies working off to the left, and she, she basically it was an intimidation tactic. Right. Um, she never actually full-blown charged me or anything like that. She was just popping her teeth. I mean, does it make it less intimidating whenever you're standing ground level with them at 15 no. yards? No. But... And I know I watched her. I watched her mannerism the whole time. Her ear stayed up, and she looked. She kept looking over to her left and watching them cubs. And once they got out of the way, her hair just kind of laid down. She calmed down, and she eased off out of the way. Yeah. And I proceeded to turn and Usain Bolt back to the house, yeah. <laughs> run as hard as I possibly could. 
Now, the second time, I was not as fortunate. We were coyote hunting over at my buddy Brian's place, place that he used to hunt, and I was up on top of the mountain. He was down low. I was wearing a ghillie suit. Had a 12-gauge in one hand and had a 22 Magnum in the other. That way, if the coyotes come in, if they were long, I could get them with the Magnum. If they were short, I could get them with the 12-gauge. Yeah. So I'm just walking out the road. I heard a stick break, and I look up at about 50 yards, and there's just a black ball of fury coming straight at me, hard Uh. as it can go. Ears laid back, I mean, stretching out like a greyhound. Uh. Dropped the rifle, shucked the shotgun, because I'd unloaded everything. And whenever the action closed, the bear put on the brakes. And I started yelling and screaming because, I mean, at this point, it's at less than 10 yards. And, I mean, I'm up fixing to waste it. But when it stopped, I let my finger off the trigger. I mean, I was halfway through the trigger pull. Yeah. And, I I mean, it it happened fast. It happened really fast. And I looked back up on the hill, and there's a cub up there. Mm. And when I started yelling, I realized... I look like a freaking swamp monster. Yeah. Because I had a ghillie suit on. I snatched my head net off and went to wave my arms. Get out of here, bear. Get out of here, bear. And she calmed down when she seen that I wasn't some sort of freaking creature that scared the crap out of her. Yeah. She chilled out. And she started, like, backpedaling just a little bit. And once again, ears stood back up. You're not fine, but you're better off. When those ears are laid back, you might as well start shooting. Because when they put their ears back, they're coming. Right. And I honestly think if she hadn't heard the action close on that shotgun, she would have tried to jump me. I'd end up having to kill that animal, which would have been very unfortunate because she had a small cub. But I'm not going to get eaten by no damn bear. No. (laughs) I mean, mean, I'm just. Only time I've ever even come close was uh, Sam had had a couple dogs get loose under his dog lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he, there's a bear in that area anyways. Yeah. Well, just by chance, those dogs that got on a mama bear and cubs, we got in there about where the dogs was. We could hear them down there barking. You could hear cubs up in a tree. You know, meh, yeah. meh, you yeah, know, calling fine. for their mama. But mama bear was nowhere to be seen. I don't know if a dog chased her on around or what, but, yeah, you know, he come back. But <clears throat> that's the only time I've ever even been close to mama bear and cubs. So I have no, but I've it's, heard stories. I've heard spooky. some of these guys talk about, well, they've, I haven't heard where nobody's had to shoot shoot a mama. Yeah, but I mean, come dang close. To well, that to was them. that was as close as I've ever been, and that yeah. I think that's as close as you're going to get without actually pulling the trigger. Yeah, I mean, because she was coming. Like I said, right. if it hadn't been for the action on the gun, I honestly think I'd had to kill that bear. All right, and not to be a not to be a misconception about bear around here neither. Bear around here are really timid. Real, they're way more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah, the only time Except you have to the, worry about is when a mama with cubs. Right. I mean... And even then, most of the they're time... They're going to try to get away from you. Yep. But they will fight you to protect those cubs. Yep. And, I mean, they're probably going to win if you don't have a weapon yeah. on you. I mean... Yeah. Just to be the truth to be told. I mean, it's just how it boy, is. Boy, we're unprofessional here, Well, we? I've turned the volume off on this thing twice. And I don't know, really know what's going on. Just to be honest <laughs> with you. This has seemed to be a thing on every podcast. It is. We, we always... Man- I, I always manage. Somehow I have my ringer on. It's time for a new phone. Yeah, I think you need to buy you an iPhone. I was waiting on that. I was waiting on that. That way you'll have you a professional camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the DSLRs are out of style and all that. Yeah, Yeah. of course they are. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Anyways. Oh, the Uh, volume's uh, off. uh, I guess I'm the... That's what you get. Oh, my sound's off. It's not going to work. Good. You were going for the soundboard, wasn't you? Oh, yes. I was going for the donkey sound. Yeah. Now I just have to do it. We ain't had the soundboard in a while. 
Well, it's been here. We just hadn't had a opportunity that we needed it. Well, there it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Anyways. But anyway, so we've got off on a big completely back, completely off track right. again. But that's what that's what this thing's for. So. Yeah. But anyway, so let's try to right the ship and get back to summer scouting tactics. Yeah. Um. So it's mid July. Yep. I'm gonna ask you this: What is what are people supposed to be doing currently? For somebody, say there's somebody listening that has no idea what they're supposed to be doing right now. For somebody, say all they know to do right now is deer season's coming up. You know, say my, September. My biggest well, thing: go out and hunt. What should they be doing right now? In general, get you some cameras out. I mean, if you're allowed to bait, start baiting a little bit. I'm not right. running a full baiting regimen like I normally do. If you are in states that doesn't allow baiting, find a food source. Whether that be native browse, because there's a whole lot of native browse in the woods right now. Yep. Whether you're on agriculture, corn, soybeans. If you've got corn or soybeans, find the edge of a field, set back off of it, get you a camera up on the edge of a field, just get them passing through. Find a trail. Find it, yeah. Find you a trail that's coming through. Just catch them passing through. Um, if you got a point on a field, a lot of times they work away around the tip yep. of those points and stuff. That's a really good spot to, especially stuff like that. If you have grass, like high yeah. grass, like hay fields and stuff around here, kind of like the one spot I have, you can find really good uh, crossing zones yep. or move or crossover areas and where they've been bedding and stuff. Another and thing like the spots. the field we went to yesterday. If you have tall native grasses. If you'll look underneath them, there's probably a good stand of clover, at least around here. There's a good yeah. stand of clover underneath it. Yeah. We grow a lot of clover around here. It'll come up natural. Get you a weed eater. Get you a bush hog. Get something and cut you a patch 20 yards in diameter. Yeah, that was me. I kicked Okay. Table. I thought we might have been having an earthquake or something. No, well, that's, that's All the ghost. mocks on the table started bouncing. I was like, whoa. But get you something. Get Anyways. that grass cut down. You're right. And let that clover come through. Get you some cameras out. That's the biggest thing because right here... Most places where we are located, you can't do a whole lot of long-range glassing. Right. Um, we're you can't fortunate. see far enough. <laughs> well, that's it. You can't see far enough. We're fortunate on this farm, and then we've got some game lands that you guys hunt where you can do some long-range glassing. Yep. Um, it's also a good time if you want to ride around, if you're looking for new properties and stuff, Yeah. ride around places that you can see distance, start scouting out herds of deer and stuff. Um it's definitely the time to do it. Like, it's time to do it. And then you can start pulling up on your Onyx hunt. Find out who owns that property. Yep. See if there's any way to be able to hunt around that area. Yep. But you, Most of the time on Onyx hunt, you can at least have somebody's name there. Yeah. You know, maybe if there's a house on that property that on the, or touching property, you know, just go knock on the door. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about how, you know, the old knocking on the door thing is, is almost a done deal it don't happen no more yeah i i agree to that to an extent i don't think it should be though i mean nowadays you, you if you hear somebody come knock on your door unless it's pizza guy you're like oh well what the heck yeah Who first is this? thing turn the tv off hide yeah you know? first thing they're thinking is intruder right so but honestly i mean what other choice do you have nowadays other than going to knock knock you know going well, door to door i was listening to a, a similar podcast it may have been the same one um probably they write a lot of letters really yeah they get addresses and instead of going Are we talking in, about the jury guys mm-hmm. okay then yeah we're talking about the same podcast oh. thing because i just listened to it a little bit ago back here in the back yeah well they were saying they they write a lot of letters 
Gotcha. You may write 50 or 75 letters and only have one or two good responses back. Right. Well, guess what? You don't need that many places to hunt. Yep. I mean, if you can get three or four good places, that's everything that you can right. realistically cover. Right. And not be missing a bunch. So Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that's a way to do it. I hadn't really thought about that. I didn't hear that either. Mm-hmm. But that'd definitely be the way to do it. Yep. But now's yeah. the time to be finding property. So well, it's like we it. were riding right. around yesterday. How many deer did we see yesterday just on the drive from my food plot over back to the shop? Well, and then after I let you off, I found another yeah. spot that had a whole pack of deer, and I did Same. not have my spotting scope in the truck. Yep, we split ways. You went one side of the county, I went to yep. the other after we left from Mountaineer Outfitters, and I seen deer where I was going, you seen deer where you were yeah, going. Yeah, yesterday was a great day for deer movement. Yeah, big But time. this time of year, they're getting out, they're moving around, they're yep. stretching their legs, they're finding food sources, and a lot of people you're talking about hay fields have been cutting hay. Yep. Well, that does just what I said. It lets those smaller, those tender grasses start growing. Yep. The clover starts growing, which means more wildlife are coming into these fields, which makes them more visible. Right. And they don't really have any human pressure this time of year. So it's a good time of year to get out and kind of get a feel of what's moving around. Right. Now, on this farm here, we've got a couple of big Christmas tree fields. Right. And I've got vantage points that I've picked out through the years where I can set up there with a spot and scope and look around. Um, up at dad's house we've got the bean field down there below his garden and stuff where we hunt but you can see it from his house so you can set up there with a spot and scope and watch deer in the garden and stuff and um out here we've got corn fields and bean fields and stuff so it makes it you just you got to find a vantage point you need to find a high spot right now whether that means i've had spots back here that were areas that didn't have a good vantage point where i would just take a cheap ladder stand or something throw it up in a tree and climb up there where i could get up high enough that i could see into these areas right the key to this time of year you want to be you want to be able to see and not be seen right you don't want to put pressure on animals this time of year this is the only time of year where they can come out and relax yep so you've got to make sure and keep the range in long range scouting you've got to put some distance between you you don't need to get 50 yards from a deer this time of year you're not trying to kill it yep you're just trying to watch it yep so get you some good optics that's the other thing is good optics yep i mean that that i would say that one's the next best thing for trail then right behind trail cameras get you some good optics make sure that you can see the animals right because up until 30 minutes after or 30 minutes after daylight and then from 30 minutes before dark to dark is going to be your your best times it's just like hunting yep and to be able to see those long ranges and be able to really pick out what you're seeing, be able to tell, hey, this is the slick six. Hey, that's the white eight. That's this buck. That's tank. That's whoever. You've got to have good optics. All right. Agreed. So that would be my tip for summertime scouting right now. Summertime scouting. Just get out so, there. Get out there. Enjoy it. Watch watch the animals a little bit. If you start getting ate up by bugs, guess what? You're not on any time frame. You can jump in the truck and go to the house. Yep. And that's another thing, scouting out of a vehicle. Yep. Especially when you're in areas that are used to seeing vehicles and stuff, the deer are not spooked as much by a vehicle right. as they are you walking out with a tripod with a spot and scope on it. That was one thing I did purchase for this year was a spot and scope mount for the window of my truck. Yeah. And that is, I mean, this is the time of year you use that stuff. So. Yep, for sure. Get out there and see what see what you can see see what you can find yep uh, exactly because you can stumble upon deer this time of year that you may not see any other time and like i said they're finally starting to put on some character you can right. start to differentiate those bigger mature bucks from a big ear doe 
like you seen <laughs> yesterday. Uh, yeah, okay. No, that was a buck I seen yesterday. <laughs> but, so, I kind of went silent there for a second. I was, I was, I was kind of thinking through some things. Might be covering a lot of ground kind of quick. So, aside from, you know, from, uh, from a visual standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, with game cameras and, and optics, what about food sources? We talked about, you talked, hearing that about food sources and baiting that's always a big debate should you should you a big debate should you bait or not <laughs> anyway sorry what if you're going to go if the food plot route what should you be doing now because i know like what we worked on earlier in the year we're going to hold up on that we're going to get that in the next that segment next segment that's, okay that's what you're going on for that's the next what segment. we're going on for the next okay segment. i was about to say it's like because i have some questions there i got that, you. that could flow through good with this but I got Does that mean we're going into our first break now? I think if that's everything for summer tactics, I think that will bring Does us mean, into our. Let me think here. First break. We we do this off the fly. Like if you haven't noticed this, we kind of just yeah, we we, we, we jot a couple notes down for kind of what we want to talk about. Yeah, just but talking otherwise, points and we just wing fly it. With so it. we get better results that way. We have a lot better conversations when we just wing it. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think. I think it pretty well covers it. Yeah. And if we think that's anything, that's about all you can, can do right now. I mean, well, I mean, like that's it. It's like I said, keep your distance, keep the pressure low, get your cameras out, get a get a get your inventory straight, see well, that, what you got coming in. That's it. And I don't really try to start doing heavy inventory right. until about the first second week of August. Right. That's when you can pretty much tell they're they're where they're at. Right. They've put on the first to second week of August. They've put on the majority of the growth that they're going to put on, and at that point. I ramp up the baiting schedule. I ramp up the feeding schedule. Um, food plots are going in. Stuff like that's happening. And you're really starting to put in your strategy for opening week of deer season. Right. So, but yeah, um, I think that'll cover it for summer tactics. Yeah, I think that's about it. All right, guys. We're going to go to a short break. We're going to go to the first break, and we'll be back shortly with the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Bone Collector Game Calls, the official game calls of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Whether it's locator calls, turkey calls, or deer calls, you can find all your calls at bonecollector.com, proudly made in the USA. So I had a guy come in the shop the other day and said he saw a giant buck cross the road in front of him. Oh. But I have no way of knowing who owns the property you run onto. Yeah, you do. How? You can get the Onyx Hunt app. What is that? It's a mapping tool. You can see how big parcels are, who owns those parcels, and in some cases, get the tax address where you can either send them a letter or go knock on their door and see if you can possibly hunt their property. Really? So I can use that app to find out who owns that property and possibly get permission? Yes, sir. Heck yeah, pull it up. Let's get on there and find out who owns that property because I'm telling you, he's a monster. Let's do it. All right, man. I've got a problem. What is it? I've got this trail camera put up, supposed to be cellular, and I cannot get send pictures to me whatsoever. Was it a Tacticam? No, it's some other one I picked up, I think, at Walmart. Well, there's your problem right there, man. Tacticam has the best trail cameras on the market as far as the cell cams go. Really? Yeah, they pick up in places that no other camera will. They send pictures to your phone, and you can set it to send once a day, twice a day, or every time it takes a picture. So you mean to tell me it's still going to get out and send pictures in these rough, awful parts of this country in Appalachian Mountains? Man, it sends me pictures in places my cell phone won't even get out. Really? Yeah, so you need to pick one of those things up, because you don't know what you're missing. I think I'll do that this evening. Go get you a Tacticam Reveal X. And we are back with the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. And before we went to break, we were talking about summer scouting tactics and stuff like that. And I think that's going to transition us into where you were starting to go yeah. into food plot stuff. 
because now is the time of year that you need to start getting your food plots ready. Yeah. So, but there are there's a timeline. I mean, at least the way I do it, there's a timeline of steps you need to go into. Not that timeline. I was about to say. I was like, well, wait. Anyways, not a year round timeline. We're just going yeah, into food plot food process. Plot timeline. Um, but depending on what you want to plant, um. I mean, basically, what you're planting needs to determine when you put it in the ground. Right. Right now, in my opinion, and you can take it for what it's worth. Before we go into right now. Okay. Uh, what I was going to ask before we went into this, before we went into our break, let's go backwards a minute. Okay. So, I know some people saw our social media and stuff and saw us putting stuff in the ground, you know, putting soybeans in and stuff like that. First week of May. Right. Let's go back to when you f- first start. When, when you're talking time or you know food plot timeline yeah let's go back to the very beginning of that when does that start for deer season well it depends like i said it depends on what you're putting in the ground right now what we were doing early are your long-term growth seeds your corn and your soybeans mainly Uh, i say mainly that was literally everything we planted was corn and soybeans right at that point you're putting them in the ground the same way an agriculture farmer is going to put them in the ground you're trying to put them in the ground to maximize yield before frost hits right so you're trying to get it in the ground where it'll get up and make full ears or the beans will get up and grow pods of beans before the first frost hits and everything turns brown right and so up here we cannot plant any earlier than the first week of may i mean if you do they're going to get frostbit that's just part of it yep so um timeline on that i usually try the good thing about the early planting is if you clean your fields up at the end of the year, you don't really have to do any bush hogging. Um, right. By at that point, they're just starting to turn green and stuff. So I go through and with the chemicals and spray, just kill everything in the field, then till the ground, disc the ground, do whatever you want to do. Plant your seeds, whether it be with a grain drill. I don't have grain drill, so we broadcast. Right. Um, as far as soybeans go. Now corn, we use a planter. We've got a two-row planter that we can pull behind a small tractor. It's not a big operation, but we're not planting 100 acres. Right. I mean, we're planting five, six acres of corn total. Right. So it doesn't take that big of a machine to put that in the ground. And so we'll plant the corn, and then after that, it's just praying for rain. Right. Waiting. But that pushes you through maintenance over the summer. What we are planting are Roundup-resistant crops. So you give them a month, let them get up, and I do all my spraying. I've got a big sprayer to pull behind the tractor. I don't yeah. have it rigged up yet. Um, it's something that I just acquired. It's going to need a little love. Um, so I've got a spray rig that I mounted on the back of a side-by-side on the back of the gator. And so the only kicker with that is you don't have the ground clearance like you would right. with a tractor. So you've got to get in there after they've been in the ground a month to month and a half before the corn gets too tall that the gator's going to knock it over. Right. Go in, do an overspray, just lighten your mixture a little bit where it's not as potent. It's going to kill all the weeds out, but your corn's just going to keep on growing. And your beans are just going to keep on going. And so that's really the only maintenance, a little bit of fertilizing, stuff like that, but our planters have fertilized hoppers on them and stuff like that, so you cover most of that from the first. Right. And then you get into this time of year. Now's when you need to start thinking about your fall plots. Right. I see on social media all the time these guys planting fall plots, like putting the seed in the ground right now. 
it may be okay for them. I don't know. There, I mean, it depends. It varies from wherever you're located, but just from looking at people that I've admired through the years and yep. their food plot strategy, Mark Drury, um, the guy down at Realtree Farms, you look at guys like that that they have studied this. They've studied the science of growing food plots and stuff. Right. Your fall food plots, you what you're trying to do is get that seed in the ground, and you've got to time it where every plant that you plant has a time in its growth cycle where it's the most palatable for a deer. It's going to taste the best for a deer. Right. It's going to be that premium, and it's only a three-week period, four-week period when it's most palatable before it gets up too far and then it gets hard. It's not as tender anymore. It's not as sweet anymore, right. for generally speaking. And then they don't hit it as hard. And so you try to time your plantings to where when that plant's in the most palatable stage, you can be deer hunting. So right. I try to time my fall plots where they are most palatable the first two to three weeks of deer season during that early season. Right. And then they get past that stage and get on up there before it gets too awful cold which leads them to producing food for the deer later in the year got you so you've got to you've got to really time it and i see on inch or on facebook and instagram all the time these guys that are that have been putting seed in the ground for two or three weeks right well that's all well and good come deer season they're gonna have these huge like knee-high lush plots that stuff is already hardened off kind of i mean it's not as tender for the deer it's not as palatable um they're gonna be you if you look you'll see guys like that in the middle part of august saying oh man the deer are hammering the plots the deer are hammering the plots come up in a week of deer season they're trying sitting there scratching their head trying to figure out where all the deer went right two three weeks ago they were hammering these plots now they're using them but not like they were right. they missed their timing so everything comes full circle right there right um now, are there some plots that you can go ahead and plant right now? And, yeah, you might miss that palatability phase, but what that's going to do is produce a lot of growth and a lot of mass and stuff for the deer late in the season because it's going to go ahead and get through that phase and have plenty of more growing time. It's going to be up knee higher better like those turnips that Brian had last year. Right. Late in the year, that place was full of deer. Yep. And, I mean, they were absolutely killing it because he was the only food source left. All right. So you've got to kind of weigh your options. Yeah, I was about to say, speaking of, you, you're talking about putting this stuff in the ground. What are you putting in the ground? If people, what are, the, what are people putting in the ground now that you're trying to wait on? The stuff that I'm seeing going, the one, the best early season attractant is brassicas, in my opinion. It, and just like Sean Lundy said when we were talking to him, yeah. Those brassicas are very, very, very tasty to the deer during the early season. Right. But they also have a timeline that they've got to be on. Now, a brassica is going to take about 30 to 40 days from the time you plant it till it's most palatable. So you've got a month, month and a half. Right. So that leads me to believe that I'm going to want to plant my brassicas Wait until at least the first week or two of August. I would not do them any earlier than that. Right. Because if you do them earlier than that, they're going to pass that phase. You're not going to be able to hunt yet. I mean, 
our deer season doesn't start until the second week of September. Yep. So you're going to want to push it until probably the first or second week of August right. to be putting them in the ground. Now, when you're planting stuff like turnips and winter bulbs and sugar beets, winter peas, stuff like that, those are, if you plant them beside brassicas in September, October, they're going to hit the brassicas way before they're going to hit that stuff. Right. Now, that's not saying that if you plant those, they're not going to come to it. It's just um, you're going to have more attracting power in the brassicas than you, you are, are those. Right. But once you get into colder weather times, they're going to start coming to those turnips and stuff because they're going to be green. And yep. everything else is going to be brown. And that's yep. going to have your, um, I think they call the phasing 13, like return to green or something like yep. that. Um, that's going to have your pulling power for that green. And not to mention, those plants will grow bulbs. And brassicas grow bulbs as well, but those plants will grow your your big old turnips and then them big old sugar beets and stuff like that. Right. And when we have a hard winter, you get a deep freeze. Those things turn to sugar and then they come eat them all winter long, which basically is looking for your, looking after your deer herd through the winter. It's keeping nutrition in the ground for the deer through the winter. So when everything else is gone, they're going to be able to dig these things up in the snow and eat them. And right. it's going to keep them fed, which is going to give them a jump start into next year. Right. The less weight they lose in the winter the less time it takes them to gain back that in the spring, which means the more time for antler growth. Right. Because the way their digestive systems work, the first thing they're going to rebuild is their fat content. A deer's body is not concerned with how big its antlers are. Its main goal is to rebuild from the winter, get the fat content back up, get their health back up. Once that's all done, then they start growing antlers. Then that nutrition starts being converted to antler growth. Right. So the quicker they recover from the winter... The faster you get into the growing season, which, and we've seen that on this farm here. Yep. I said in an earlier podcast, we didn't even turkey hunt this farm this year so we could maintain our protein program all right. winter long and all the way through the spring. Now, if you compare the phase of antler growth that these deer are in versus the phase of antler growth that the deer four miles up the road are in, and, and another one of my farms, we turkey hunted that farm. Yep. We had to get bait out of the woods. We didn't maintain our feeding program through the spring like we did over here. It took those deer longer to recover. Those deer are three weeks behind these deer as far as antler growth. Yep, and you can you can see it. In you the can see it in the pictures. It's, you it's can tell obvious. it in the pictures. So that's that's the thing about planting that stuff. You want to you've got to balance your attractability versus your benefit to the deer right. over the long term. Now, if you are just planting, that's under the assumption that you have multiple plots to be able to plant. Right. A lot of people are not that fortunate. We are very fortunate to have this farm. Some of our other properties, we're hunting five to seven acres. Right. You, we don't even have room to plant there. Right. So, I mean, you do what you can do on the ground that you have. Right. But if I have 20 acres and I can plant one food plot in it, I mean, you're not going to want to put half a dozen food plots on a property like that because it's not big enough but if i have 20 acres i'm gonna put one food plot in it i'm probably gonna plant brassicas and winter peas yeah i mean it's just gonna you're gonna have the brassicas for that early season attractant and i'm probably i'll probably mix a few turnips in there but the my main source is going to be the brassicas right because that's going to get that september october timeline in where you're bringing those deer in, and then past that, I would focus on supplemental feed. 
Got you. That's just my personal opinion. Got you. And I'm being super quiet right here. I'm just doing a lot of listening because, to be honest, I've done very little food plot stuff myself. So I'm still in this whole learning phase of learning all this myself. Yeah. And I've had to, where we hunt in South Carolina, Yeah, you're on a different timeline. Yeah. And I've had to transition what we've learned down there because luckily down there we've got, we have been fortunate enough to have properties now and we've had properties in the past right. that we could put in. There was at one point, I think I was doing 19 food plots down there. Yeah. I mean, it's a big place that, there. well, that was just, it was a lot of food plots, but it gave me a lot of room to test, to learn and grow. Yeah. And, you, and able to learn try something here and try something there and do all that stuff. Um, I will say that going back to, it depends on where you're at. We have to deal with something down there that we don't have to deal with here. And I always thought the landowner always told me, cause I was always trying to get down there early and get them in the ground. Cause we deal with drought down there. First thing right. you're in the South. Um, the other thing he always told me, boy, you better watch out planting early. And I said, why? He said, cause you get in them army worms, they're going to eat all your seed. Gotcha. And I was like, get into what? He said, army worms. And I never knew what they were. It's a larva form of a, I guess a caterpillar or something. Right. That grows in the ground and then they like grow Take out of stuff. it and turn into a caterpillar or turn into a butterfly or whatever they do. Regardless, they right. will eat every seed you put in the ground yep. if you put them in the ground while the army worms coming out. Gotcha. I mean, and it happened to me that um, food plot you hunted down on the dairy side yep. last year, you could see the little holes or whatever where these things, the larvae come out of, yep. laying all over the place. And we didn't have shit come up in that food plot last year. We didn't yep. have anything come up hardly. They laid waste to it. Yep. The year before, it was lush and green and full of deer and i mean we ended up being able to keep deer in there thanks to the feeding program and the minerals and stuff that we put in that area but not to mention it's just in a good crossing area right but you've got to watch every different area is going to have a different obstacle that you're going to have to go through so it takes a lot of a lot of studying if you can the one thing that is the biggest benefit over anything you can find Find a farmer. That's that's what helped me down there. Right. If you can find a farmer, somebody that's been farming in that area for years, they you can learn a lot yeah. just by listening. Just go and ask them a question and then shut up and listen. Right. Because you can learn a lot. So, I guess it's going to be a transition point. So, this could be straight ignorance talking, but I've won- I haven't really thought about this until just as of late. Um, you know, people hear food plots and, and hear... They most people start thinking big time operation. You know, they think you've got to have five, seven acres, mm-hmm. something of that nature. Now, this is something I done when I first, like the very first year that I deer hunted. I thought, you know, in my mind, I need to get some type of food in the ground for for a food source. Yeah, this could completely be stupid, hundred percent. So, but I'm willing to throw myself out here for this concept because I know I, as weird as I am, I can't be the only person that thinks about this. Yeah, you know, I've always thought about how deer get in people's personal gardens. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, if I have something like that in the ground, maybe that'll help me. So you know what? I done? My first year I went and hunted, I had, I literally made myself a personal garden. I went and got corn, and I think I put turnips in, not knowing anything at this yeah, point. At this yeah. point, I didn't know anything about nothing. So I went and uh, I tilled. It's like a, like a fifty foot strip by like twenty foot strip. Yeah. And I just put it. Went and got a 
pack of corn seed and a pack of turnips and something else to throw in the ground. Yeah. And it growed and deer tore it up. Oh, yeah. So if some... I don't think people realize that is something that could possibly be an option. Yeah. Uh, well, I, and, I personally don't, because again, I haven't done enough of this to know myself. If that, if somebody was going to go that route, so, you know, for whatever, whatever reason, how would somebody go about that to be efficient with it? Because I, ha- I haven't thought about this until just now, but I've never heard this from anybody, really. Yeah. But people always complain about deer getting in their gardens. They yeah. eat, eat their lettuce, they eat their corn, they eat, they eat all their personal vegetables yeah. up. So it's got to work to some extent if you try it for hunting purposes. Well, a really small. It's not gonna. Whatever. What would you consider that? It's gonna be attractive to the animals. It's gonna keep them in there through the summer and give them right. some reason. And it's, I mean, back to summertime scouting. That's a right. a tactic to make them visible. Now, as far as what's gonna carry you into the hunting season, that's not gonna carry you. But right. you transition it into something else. Now, if I was gonna plant a garden setting right solely for the purpose of attracting deer i'd plant the whole dang thing in green beans green beans green beans if you look and that's for this area right that's that's for right here if you if you talk to anybody that grows a garden around here yep what is the first thing that they always say the beans and dang deer went in there and ate ate all my beans yep that is the most attractive part of a garden when corn's growing i mean They'll nibble on it and stuff when it's short, but right. whenever it gets tall, they're not going to eat on it until the ears are developed. Right. So that don't have a whole lot of attractant power. Right. And lettuce, I mean, you'll get you'll lose most of that to rabbits. Right. Green beans have more, in my opinion, have more pull than anything else in the garden. That's always the first thing they go after. Right. And I mean, that's always the one fight everybody's fighting to keep the deer out of the beans. Right. How is there a way that you could do that to where I'm just trying to be creative here at this point. Uh, is there a way that you could do that later in the season that would get you into the early stages of bow season? You probably around could. here because I know because and it a lot of it's going to depend on when our first frost is. Got you. Now, if you wanted to really make it where you could really make a make it attractive during bow season, yeah, plant your beans, get you an electric fence charger, solar powered electric fence charger. And rope that baby off, and leave it roped off all summer, and then two weeks before deer season hits, pull it. Got you. Because by the time the first day of deer season is hits, you won't be able to beat them out of there with a stick. Right. I mean, they're going to be tearing it up. Got you. Because they'll stand outside that fence all summer long, sitting there salivating, looking right. at them beans, thinking, "Boy, what I wouldn't give to get yeah. me some of them beans." All right. You pull that fence up, and son, here they'll come. Right. And I've had I've seen people that have to do that with their food plots and stuff. Right. Have to put up fences and stuff. Because, I mean, if you don't have a big enough area to avoid the grazing pressure, which is something I'm dealing with up here. Right. Um, the bean field that we had up here, you you come up and helped us plant. It used to be, I'm not going to say substantially larger, but I'm going to say 15% larger than what it right. is now. And my mother has determined <laughs> that she needs to develop it into grass yeah. to mow with her lawnmower. And so there's an ongoing battle between <laughs> where the start of the bean field is and the end of the yard is. Right. And I'm losing. <laughs> and then I lost the upper end to the tater patch. Yep. And the tater patch gets bigger every year. <clears throat> and when we first started planting soybeans up there, it was big enough area that despite the deer grazing right. and stuff like that, it, they would still get up waist high. 
Because once they get up past a certain point, they'll just keep on putting on. They won't right. be able to graze them down. At this point, I'm going to have to replant that field when we do our fall plots because it has been grazed down to nothing because right. we don't have enough area planted. Right. And next year, <clears throat> I hate to do it, but I'm probably going to fence it and just let the beans grow. Right. I mean, you got a $150 bag of beans in there. Right. And it's wasted. I mean, it's not wasted, but it's right. not what it could have been. Right. They're still going to graze it off, but at least you want it to be able to get up waist high and have some benefit up for the animals throughout the fall. At this point, it, there's no benefit to it. Right. I mean, there, there are a few left, and they're maybe a foot tall, foot and a half, but they need to be knee higher better at this point, or else they're not going to bush, and they're not going to make anything. They're right. not going to yield. So that's something you've got to look at, too, is grazing pressure. Right. I mean, every every farm's different. This farm, we are very selective about what we shoot. We've been feeding this farm for years. We've been managing this farm for years. Every time you sit on stand in this farm, I mean, unless something weird happens, you can see 10 or 12 deer. Right. That's great, but that produces a lot of grazing pressure on the farm. And we have done a decent job at managing our herd. Our doe population is getting a little out of hand. We're going to have to take out some does this year. Yeah. But our carrying capacity is still where we do such a extensive supplemental feeding program. We're still meeting carrying capacity where it's not affecting body size. It's not affecting antler growth and stuff yeah. like that. Because we're still producing some big deer. Right. I mean, anytime you can produce deer that are 140, 150 inches in western North Carolina, you're, you're, you're doing, doing something, something pretty fine. good. Right. So... But but yeah, overall, I was just I was curious about the small garden tactic because, like I say, when I first come into it, I had no idea. And yeah. again, when you think food plot, or a lot of people, at least me, when I first got into it, I thought food plot. I thought big operation, a lot of money going into it. Yeah. Equipment that I ain't got to put into it, you know. Yeah. So I tried that, not knowing anything about it, and I really didn't do any research on it either. But I. But as of late, I got to rethinking about that. I was like, there's got to be a tactic there, especially for somebody out that's like just trying to fill a doe tag. Yeah. Somebody that's just trying to break into the hunting scene, just trying to get out there to do something. I'd say, well, I mean, you I could, you could you. go to Lowe's because that's what I did. I literally went to Lowe's and got, I think it's a dollar twenty-five or $2 for a pack of corn seed. Yeah. And whatever ounce I got and just put it in the ground. And there was deer that come to it. Yeah. I mean, so, you're going to attract deer. Anything right. you can put in the ground is to help is going right. to attract deer. And you don't have to have a till or nothing either. I nope. actually, I got lucky. Part of that got tilled because they were putting some sa- some sapling uh, Fraser furs in. Yeah. And they left the top end for me. But I wanted a little bit more than that. I literally went through with a rake. You can rake it in. Absolutely. Especially if the soil's soft enough, you can rake in yourself a spot. So you well, don't have to have much. The first food plot I ever built that I ever did was... Less than an eighth of an acre. It was a strip probably about the size of that garden spot you were talking about. Yeah. But it was in the middle of the woods. It was yep. not an old timber place. Yep. I went in with a, a chainsaw and cut all the saplings out to let a little sun in. Yep. This is before I had a tractor, before I had a gator, before I had anything like that. Right. And took a leaf blower in there, blew the leaves out, and then took a rake and just roughed it up and put some throw and grow in it. Um clover in it stuff like that that are more hardy against more shady environments now you're not going to grow turnips in there you're not going to grow brassicas in there probably you might get a few to come up but that stuff that's got that ryegrass in it it's got that clover in it that stuff will come up 
you've got to have some sun. Right. Yeah, that's that's one thing that everybody asks. You see it all the time if you read these comments. What can I plant in the middle of the woods? Nothing. Yeah. There's a reason that there's no undergrowth right there. Yep. And that's because it's too much canopy. Everything has to have sun to survive. And if you're in the middle of a hardwood stand that has no undergrowth, you have too much canopy. Yep. You're going to have to find a way to get some sun in there. Yep. Either get sun in there or if you're just bait. I mean, that's about your only other option yeah. you have in that situation. Well, another redneck tactic. I had a place that had too much canopy. I was a kid. I don't know how to cut timber. It's 24 inches in diameter. All right. So what did I do? 12 gauge. <clears throat> Bird shot. About four boxes of shells. I've got an open canopy. Yeah. I blowed the tops out of the trees. Yeah. And I opened the canopy up and we got sun, got some sun in there. Yeah. Now, it don't take a lot. Just it, to have something You there. need something in there. You've got to get some light in there. So, I mean, you just got to get creative with All it. Right. And you've got to curve your expectations to match your effort right. and your abilities. Right. I mean, there's not everybody going to grow a plot like Mark Drury does. Right. Very few people in this world can grow a plot like him. Right. Also, very few people in this world have access to 300 horsepower tractors and right. grain drills. and Or have the time to even come close, you know, have the time to do anything like that. Yeah. I mean, so you've got to curve your expectations. Right. Do mm. what you can do and develop a game plan. Right. And develop not just for this year. Develop a three-year plan, a five-year plan. Yep. This year, we're going to do an eighth of an acre. We're going to cut these saplings. We're going to open this up a little bit. Yep. Next year, after deer season's over, let's get in there and cut some of those small trees. Let's move some of this stuff around. And before you know it, in four or five years, you may be up to a half acre, three-quarter acre, something big enough that you can really get some stuff planted in. Right. I mean, you've you've got to... Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. You've got to work your way into it. Right. And anything like this, it's a process. Right. I mean, you can go in and tear the crap out of a bunch of ground and open up a spot, but just like that spot we did in Jonah Ridge, that doesn't mean it's going to grow. Right. I mean, it, it takes a while when you move all that stuff to build the soil back where yep. it's going to grow. So it's a process. Yep. Give yourself a, a, a good expect or something to go by. Set yourself well, a small goal. First, or cause set reason, goals. But make them realistic. Right. Because the reason I get into that is because kind of goes back to our listeners. I've noticed we've got listeners all over the place. Yeah. I mean, when we appreciate all you guys listening. Yeah. If there's anybody out there that's just trying to get into it, period. Goes back to when how I got into it. I thought you had to do this, 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 and that. You really don't. You can go yeah. bare minimum. You want to just fill a doe tag. You can go out there and go cheap as, you know, super cheap. As long as you have some deer in the area, yep. you can go as cheap as well, putting out a bag or putting out seed corn you can put go out maybe put a bag of corn out you know if you want to bait whatever option it is go really small it don't take much it doesn't take a ton you don't have to plant 50 acres to attract a deer right now if you get to the point where you're trying to kill bigger deer right i mean the bigger you're trying to go the more effort just generally speaking the more effort you're going to have put into it now that doesn't mean that the only way to kill a big deer is to have a 50 acre food yeah, plot or something like that for sure by no means that's not i mean the deer i missed last year tank that was limping was on five acres right there's no way we can plant a food plot in there and at that point scouting finding those transition areas getting something 
to attract those deer in there. In our case, yeah. it was Big and J. It was minerals. It was corn. It was apples. I mean, we threw the freaking buffet out at him. Right. But it just figured out. Yep. Figure, figure out, out what's going to work for you. Exactly. Because you know, every property and every situation is different. Yep. And try some different things. Try something this year. If you don't get great results on it, try something different next year. Yep. If you do get decent results on it, say, hey, this worked, but what can I do to make it better? Right. Try something different. Do something different three years in a row and then step back and look at it and say, hey, I done this this year, this last year, and this year before. Right. What worked the best for me? Right. What what was I most satisfied with the results? And you can start to develop a, a kind of a strategy right. and kind of get in a groove with it. And then you can you can kind of figure out what's going to work best on your property. Yep. That's one thing I can say about hunting that's not to be a deterrent away from hunting, but you do have to have patience with hunting. Not well, only that's just what to hunting's all stand, about, patience, yeah. Right. It takes a lot, no matter what you're doing. If you go out there to try to be the cheapest spend the least amount of money as possible it's going to take you longer obviously but it it's all about timing yeah it you know from whether you're planting whether you're baiting or just straight up tracking you know it's going to take you a lot of time it's going to take time so you don't well, get something the first year or the second year or even the third year don't get downhearted and discouraged it's just especially around here even you're in yeah. appalachian mountains it takes a lot of time absolutely and there's so many different aspects to hunting that a lot of people overlook Yep. And it's just like that place, I mean, you went to yesterday, that spot of yours. Yep. And we were talking about what to plant, where to move the stands to, what to do this, what to do that. And the one thing we were overlooking was access. Yep. And you can do everything perfectly right on the property. If you bust them out when you're walking in the stand, everything you yep. have done is for not. It's for nothing. Yep. So there's so many different things you've got to look into. And... One thing is not going to make the hunt, but it gonna make it one minor it. thing could break the hunt. That's true. And so you've got to you got to step back. I mean, that's the thing, like you said, with patience. Mm-hmm. You, you need to slow down. You need to step back, and you need to say, all right, what part of this have I not analyzed yet? I need to look at the whole picture. Right. The food plots is a chapter in the book. Yep. It's not the whole book. Right. But it's a chapter that, when utilized properly can be very important to the yeah. end of the story be very rewarding yeah 100 percent. right and it, it's a lot to learn it's a ton to learn that's why it's a I, lot to learn and i from personal experience you haven't got to experience this with me yet in south carolina you can become obsessed with it oh yeah i am more ocd to the point of almost being an a-hole about how my food plots are done to the point that i don't have a lot of help when i go to do them and I generally don't want a lot of help. Right. Because I know exactly how I want everything done. And I have a certain group of people that know how I want everything done that can do it. Now, we right. have had to weed out several right. that, in spite of me preaching and me begging and pleading and suggesting that they didn't want to do it this way and then it didn't end up right. And But right. I, I've seen how these properties can be and I've seen what works on these properties and I, I by no means know everything there is to know about food plotting or playing or anything. I know what works for me. Right. And that's the thing. You've got to find what works for you. Yep. What works for you and where you're at. Yep. I mean, and if you've got here is not going to work. Perfect example. You're talking about South Carolina. It's only three hours away from here. Mm-hmm. 
that's not that far. Some, you go three hours, it's completely different terrain, completely different everything. Completely different strain of deer. You can go deer. to the other side of the county from right here where we're sitting. You can drive 15 minutes from here, and you're going to have to have a completely different strategy depending yep. on where you're at, according to Just here. Just because of geography. Yep. It's a lot steeper on that side of the county than it is on this side. Yep. It's all about where you're at. Location, yep. location, location. 100%. And, I mean, that's a big part of part of hunting, period. So. Yep. But... I guess that'll bring us into our next break, and we'll probably go back, go into... Yeah, we'll get back into this a little bit. We're going to talk yeah. about what we're going to do this year as far as my personal plan and your personal plan. But Yeah. Try All right, guys, we'll, that stuff. that'll bring us to our second break, but stick with us on the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Mountaineer Outfitters, the official outfitters of Appalachian Holler Hunters. Visit them online on Facebook or Instagram, or visit them in person at 65 Haynes Road in Newland, North Carolina. Open 8 to 5 Monday through Friday, 8 to 12 on Saturdays. Stop by and see them today for all your hunting and shooting sports. Here in the Appalachian Mountains, we are subject to some of the most drastic climate changes anywhere in the country. Whether it's hotter than blue blazes in the summertime or colder than a froze-toed rooster in the wintertime, Carhartt has you covered from head to toe. Visit Carhartt.com and see why they are the official apparel company of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Hey, boy, you got your bow set up for this year? Uh, not really, not yet. Well, what broadhead are you planning on using? I haven't figured it out yet. You really need to go check out NAP broadheads. They've got a line of new broadheads out, including the new DK4, and then my personal favorite is the Spitfire Double Cross. Oh, really? Ain't the DK4 like the mix between a mechanical and a fixed broadhead? It sure is, and it's like throwing a hatchet through the side of a deer. You're going to have blood trails that look like you've sprayed them with a water hose. That's what I'm talking about. If that's the case, I think I'm going to go with one of those. Go check them out. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Realtree, the official camo pattern of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Be sure and check out Realtree's newest pattern, Realtree Timber, to stay concealed all season long. Alright guys, welcome back to the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. And before we went to break, we were talking about food plot strategies and stuff and just different things that you can do to make the most out of your food plot chances for this year. And I want to get into our personal plans for the year and what do you got going on this year as far as your plots go well i don't know if you consider them plots or not it is, i've a lot of it's happened like quickly like mm-hmm. in a short amount of time uh i hadn't touched the first spot deer hunting spot period since last deer season yeah went in a couple of these spots so i could turkey hunt them but i never messed with them never touched them a couple of them i left stand and everything there hadn't messed with them at all uh but the way i'm looking at it now i've got three good places in north carolina uh one potentially good spot in tennessee yeah i've still yet to touch that spot in tennessee i mean i walked up in it once yeah just to kind of see what's going on but other than that hadn't messed with it uh the two there's two spots in north carolina that i've really focused on yeah uh the one spot is is my i call it my primary spot because it's the spot where i shot the doe back in season one appalachian holler hunters yeah well shot her dropped her she didn't die. shot at her dropped her she should have been dead i don't know how she didn't die probably the same way that firebird thing didn't die oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah okay perfect example though anyway anyways back on track uh that's been kind of my, my main spot yeah and i've uh, really put a lot more focus into it trying to figure out what we're going to do there and i think i guess what we've determined was getting our obviously we've been up there and we did it well, I mean, I don't really know what else to do to that spot because right now the way it sets, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of oaks in there. Yeah. So it gets a ton of ton of acres and stuff in the fall. 
uh, it lasts over a couple of years, we just put in there and put in throw and grow plots. Yeah. Big and J, corn, got your throw and grow plot there. Yeah. And uh, aside from just touching up, like cutting some more limbs out, opening up the shooting lane a little bit more, letting in more light so that grass will grow, I think that's about it for that spot. Yeah. I mean, kind of leaving it as is for now, just going to get in a little bit harder be more consistent with it because that's the biggest thing where i haven't yeah. lived here everything i've had has been totally inconsistent i'd come up here and feed one week that feed be gone in a week i wouldn't put feed up there for another two or three weeks yeah you know so it's just tough to keep consistency and that's going to be the goal this year is just get consistency there yeah because ton of those on the game cameras last year i mean there we i've put there's pictures on social media where i had like four sets of does with like two and three fawns each Jeez. so there's you know there's bucks in there. Oh, yeah. It's 100%. always been a doe spot, always, but I haven't had that much luck with bucks. But, again, it hasn't been consistent. I yeah. think that's what that one, that place is missing more than anything is consistency. So, probably, we talked about maybe one in there and, uh, what's it called? Disking it. Disking it. Yeah. You think we should still do that to that spot? I mean, it wouldn't hurt. It would rough the ground up some more, and we might be able to get some clover it's and some soft stuff too. coming up. That's what me and Tim, talking about raking it, that's what me and uh, my stepdad or Tim was talking about the other day. You know that ground soft enough. You go up there with a rake and rake it in. Probably. Yeah, if you could just get the leaves off of it, you can definitely do that. Right. I think the key for that one is going to be getting off of that right side, getting some of those small saplings cut and getting some. Yeah, getting more light in there because that's where your main sunlight's coming in. But anyways, and you'll see more of this on our episodes as well. We're, we plan on showcasing at least our spots. Yeah. Uh, just to be straight honest, a lot of our guys are real particular about showing their spots. They like they're kind of secretive. So, me personally, I don't care. I'd I'd almost give you the address to the spot. <laughs> I ain't going to for a hundred bucks. <laughs> I'll give you the address to his spots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't 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 hold your breath. There's not much going on there yet. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. As far as as far as us go, as far as us go, yeah. As far as me and Shane goes, we're gonna try to document all of this and kind of show you the before and after what these properties look like bare before they're touched yeah and then show you what work goes into them and hopefully have a good end, end result with some good bucks down yeah and i think i'm going to more focus on because this farm's kind of on a program it's yeah i mean it's it's already in progress yeah, the farm this is the farm this the, yeah this is my main farm yeah. and funny enough this farm is good one out of four years yeah. You'll have one good year, and then you'll have three off years where all you've got is basket rack two-year-olds. Yep. And then you'll have a good year where you've got three or four shooters, and then another three years where you've got, I think, just, I'm, I'm hoping, and just judging by the timing, we should be back on on year this year. And yep. it's it's looking, unless they just disappear, it's looking like we might have a couple of shooters on this. I mean, regardless, the Slick Six is going... Yeah. He's going to be targeted. That's yeah. probably, as we saw last year with the seven point. I'm not as into growth scores as I am maturity. Yep. If I can go after a six or seven year old deer that don't score as much as maybe a four year old that scores 30 points higher, I'm going after that old deer. Right. I mean, when I shot the seven point, there was a 150 inch 10 point standing 60 yards behind him. You couldn't yeah. see him in the camera because. My focus was on that 115-inch seven-point that was seven right. years old that had been harassing me. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just the way I am. I'm yep. going to go All after that mature deer. Yeah, exactly. You've got to pick what your trophy is. Yep. I, I mean, I've not killed 
anything that comes close to gross and boom, but I've killed a mid 150s deer, yeah. upper 140s deer. If I don't ever go any higher than that as far as score goes, I'm okay with that. Right. At this point, my idea of a trophy is those seven-year-old bucks, those six-year-old right. bucks, those bucks that have been evading me for three and four years and playing right. this game, playing this cat and mouse game. That's where my focus is going to be this right. year. Other than maybe Tank, which, like I said, he hasn't showed back up. Right. Ain't been able. He's to, also an injured deer tank. He's so, very injured. So If he made it through the winter, it'll be a miracle. Yeah. He was alive on January 1st. That's the last time he's been accounted for. So yeah. We'll see on that go, as far as that goes. Yeah, that'll come up. But as cool. far as that goes, as far as my other spots go, really, I've got one other spot that I've been working on pretty consistently, and that's the spot we was at yesterday yep. working with. That uh, spot has a ton of potential. A lot of potential. It, the biggest thing it's got going for it is it's a huge crossover area. Yeah, it's a really good transition area right there. Very nice transition area. So, and we know there's big deer around. People that's around there has had great pictures of great deer and i pulled my card the other day uh, a cheap camera that i'd had up in one spot over there yet last year that wasn't a tacticam unfortunately unfortunately yep unfortunately went tacticam so lost some stuff there but i pulled the card and some pictures that hadn't got sent to me were pictures of another 10 point that had been in there there's nice. only like one or two pictures of him but it's a 10 point regardless and he's a good deer he looked to be three maybe four year old deer he's a nice deer yeah so i'm hoping if, to my knowledge being a small county you normally hear about that type of beer deer being killed so yeah never heard nothing so hopefully he's still around that'd definitely be a good target deer heck yeah and there's a ton of does in there the first day i hunted in there is me and kevin went up in there there's at least 20 at least 20 does yeah i mean it's covered up. well you deer. can tell that by the deer trails going around yeah. the side of the hill i mean it's eat up and we saw the phone yesterday yep we had a phone come Running up around the hill yeah, yesterday, come, I was up there trying to plan out what we needed to do. I was about to draw down sidearm and shoot it because I thought it was another dang coyote coming around through yeah. there. But you got the camera and like it was a yeah, phone. I, I seen it and I was like, like "Give me the what? camera! Give me the camera!" You're like, "What?" I was like, "Just give me the dadgum camera!" Yeah, I was like, "What am I missing?" But uh, but that's the thing. The spots I have are ridge setups. They're right on top of a ridge. Yeah, just more times than not, being here in the mountains, that's what your setup's going to be, anyways. Yeah, for the most part. And uh, that's what my primary spot, and this is going to be my secondary spot, have in common. They're both right up on top of a ridge. Uh, this spot, the second spot, the secondary property, yeah. rather, has two potential spots on it to kill a deer from. Yeah. So you've got your main ridge that we talked about. And it's got that corner of that field, which I'm not, obviously there's not going to be no feeding there. You wouldn't want to feed that close together. Well, and the problem with that is it's visible from a highway. That corner yeah, is. That, so yeah. you got to be careful. Well, not that. necessarily. That corner is not visible from it. Once you get down and over in that corner, it kind of dips. You yeah. can't see that corner. I got you. You can see the mountain stuff, but you can't see it from right there. The ridge is more visible than it is. I got you. But it's a very high transition area right there. And if anything else, you know, late season or, you know, whatever, it potentially be a good spot for a doe kill yeah you know for for whatever because like i say it's covered up in does yeah if nothing else but got those two spots otherwise well i didn't say what we we're going to do to that spot other yeah. than putting big and jay and corn out there it's kind of going to be the same deal as my primary property it's just going to be probably just throw and grow throw and grow we, which we, that we, spot we can get a disc behind a at least behind the gator into easy yeah it's it's a pretty we made access. a road up in there yesterday so we got to where we can get a gator up in there side by side up in there and yeah 
I think I've got a small disc we can pull up in there and at least cut it up a little bit and right. get some clover going. And it's open enough from that right. one side that it will grow. It's got good soil there already. Cause, Very good. Uh, threw a throw and grow plot out last year, and it was late last year. Like, it was getting close to wintertime when I threw it out. Just because yeah. I had an extra bag left, just going out of day. It's like, it ain't doing me no good sitting at the house, so I threw it out. And we went up there, you know, yesterday, and grass is up high yeah i mean rye grass well and that's up. always a good sign if there's yeah. like I say if there's undergrowth growing rye grass and there's some multiple rows and stuff like that that shows you there's yeah. light coming in there so we yeah. can do something with that yeah so we we've got a really nice setup there that's, yeah that's my two main properties and of course i've got a handful of other spots around the county here and there and other spots that's going to be you know good spots to go to maybe on off wind days or whatever it's you know, yeah if you get fortunate enough have as many locations as you can well those other ones are spots that you throw a camera out and throw some stuff out and right. you never know that's probably that i mean it seems like half the time that's end up being where your biggest deer for the season is yep is in those know. random spots you just never know where they're going to be yep it's good that it's one of those things it's good to have as many locations as as you can possibly handle just because you need those options because well, it goes back to the access deal. If you yeah. don't have good access at one spot, you know, if the wind's wrong one day, you don't want to go in there and screw nothing up, try one of your other spots. Yeah, and I would rather have several small spots than one great big farm because, like right. I said, most of the time my best spots, we've got 200-plus acres here to hunt. Most of my most years my best spots are on those 5, 10, 15-acre yep. spots that I've got. Like I said, this is one out of four right on this farm you don't have a shooter on this farm every year right it just don't happen but if you've got spots that are staggered around in different areas you may not have it on this property or this property this year but guess what this other property might have two or three right and that's the way it happened last year with that property up the road where i missed tank there were four shooters on that property and it was five acres I mean, I'm not saying they stayed on that property, right. but there were there were four shooters using that area, right. and a lot of times they were together. Yep. I mean, I had pictures early of them all four together. Yeah. So you never know what you're gonna find. Yep, that's the truth. I mean, like it got, kind of goes back to what we said again. You can drive five minutes away from where you're sitting, it'll be a whole different group of deer. You can be in a whole different herd, exactly. Yep. I'm not saying that the deer you're seeing way over there might not go there, right? But extreme circumstances a lot of times have to make that happen right but as far as spots go those are the only two spots that i've been focused on yeah or the two properties i've been focused on i've got property in tennessee that would depending on how it goes the property in tennessee might be a, a money spot but it's one of those again it's like what three four acres small spot it's going to be a bait and spot only yeah but all, all in all, I think I've got four good spots. Yeah. Aside from, and of course, going to do a lot of game land hunting and stuff this year too. Yeah. Going to do a lot of public hunts. But uh, that's kind of mine's just kind of super basic this year. Nothing big, nothing. I got at you. All. It's just super basic. Throw and grow, big and jay. Get after and corn. Yeah. Take the cam up. See what's coming in. That's going to be it. I hear you. Get in there and hunt. Shoot ya. But now you've got some awesome stuff going on, you know, because well we'll get into south carolina piece after this but yeah as far as around here locally that we got going on close to home you've got some awesome stuff going on you we spoke about the farm here yeah we've got the farm here and like i said we've got two bean fields cornfield and then we've got 
one, two, three, four, five fall plots that we're right. going to put in on this farm. Right. At least five. We may end up with more. But we've got five areas that are cleared and we're fixing to start spraying. Um, we didn't get into that earlier, but you always ask, what should we be doing right now? Yeah. Well, if you're following the timeline that we talked about earlier, right now you need to be getting them mowed off and you need to wait about a week and then get them sprayed. Yep. Uh, I don't like to spray immediately after I mow. I like to give them about a week and get that fresh growth start to come right. back on. Then I just find it gets a better kill. I mean, I'm right. not saying you can't spray right when you mow. It just, in my experience, you get a better kill if you wait a week or so. Right. So right now we're mowing these plots off, um, getting everything cleared off. I've got the tractor over at the farm up the road and getting ready to do it. But just getting these plots, our fall plots, getting ready to prep the ground and get everything ready. So when that second week of August hits, we can just come through like a freaking tornado, right. throw seed out everywhere, get everything cut in, drug in, everything we need to happen to be able to right. make those plots as palatable as possible. And what we will probably do is do it in phases. Um, we'll probably start up the hill with the earliest and then move wait a week and move down the hill to the next plot right wait a week and move back here to the next plot and then move back toward the back side of the farm for the next two and that way what you're doing is you're putting every one of your plots in different stages of growth right so this plot's going to be hot for a couple of weeks when it's most palatable as soon as it's starting to harden off guess what you got another one coming in and then it hardens off you got another one coming in and as long as you can work the timing where they're all getting into those more mature growth stages before the frost hits then you're fine Right. So that's the plan for this farm. Right. Um, as far as the farm up the road, we showed the stuff on social of where yep. I went in and cleared that new plot. Yep. And it was thick. In it there. was it thick in there. Thick as a cob. Yeah. And unfortunately, in the clearing process, you lose a lot of topsoil. Yep. That's just part of it. Um, we tried to just throw some clover in there, mainly for just to cover, just keep it from washing or anything like that. A little bit of it come up, not much. There's The soil there is just not where I want it to be. All right. So this week I'm going in there and I'm just going to fertilize the crap out of it. Just, I mean, heavy fertilize. Give it about a week or two, I'm going to heavy lime it. The good thing about that is there's no growth on it right now. There's a few native stuff coming up, but so you don't really have to worry about your bush hogging right now and spraying and stuff that can come later. Um that property is a work in progress. All right. We were able to just back last spring, I think we were able to acquire another 12 or 13 acres that adjoins that property. All right. I'm not sure the exact acreage, but it puts it up to 65 or 75 acres, something like that. Yeah. It's a good-sized property. Right. It's big enough that we need multiple spots on that property, but most of it is overgrown rhododendron. Right. Now, we are working our way through from a farming standpoint and cutting these things off, uh, piling them, burning them, letting them grow back for collected stock. But as far as hunting purpose goes, I've got a couple places that I know I want to put these plots. We have a pesky neighbor over there that is on the backside. There's a a five-acre parcel between me and him, and he don't really believe in bag limits. Uh, I hunted over there several years back, and we had eight different bucks on camera that ranged from 
Shooter eight points all the way down to spikes. Yeah. He killed eight bucks that year. Mm. He shot the seed out. He shot everything that had horns that year. So yeah. we're dealing with that. So I've got to try to kind of, I've got to be very strategic in where I place my attractants, where I place my food plots and stuff to try to make it where these deer, because they've, they've got to the point where they work their way around him. Right. The other neighbors are wonderful. The ones that do hunt are management-minded and stuff, but it only takes one bad apple to ruin yep. the whole bunch and or ruin it for the whole bunch anyway. But right. So I'm, I'm working on a strategy to be able to plant and develop this property around where he's at to kind of filter the deer movement hopefully around that area i mean you're still gonna lose some yeah that's part of it it's his property i can't say anything he can shoot what he wants to um i'm a believer in abiding by state laws north yep. carolina's two buck state yep i want you to kill your two bucks you got four doe tags you need to start shooting some does yep not all about that shooting eight bucks in one season but no. it is what it is right um so that's what's going on over there and then the property where tank was that's all supplemental feeding minerals strategy there's not enough room there it's only five acres there's not enough room to do anything there yep and then uh we lost one of our our better videoing food plots yeah in the property over at limville yep we lost it this year um we weren't able the farmer reclaimed it all for farmland Right. He had to leave it vacant, which was presented us with a situation where we could plant food plots in it because it was a tree farm, and yep. he had got a fungus in there and had to leave it vacant for several years to let that die out. So he was gracious enough to let us come in and plant beans and stuff while he was leaving those blocks empty. Right. But it's time to replant them, put it back to making money. I don't blame him a bit. Yep. I mean, that's that's what but he yeah. does for a living. Right. I mean, you got to so, do what you got to do. I mean. Exactly. I'm not 100% sure on that one. We're still a little fuzzy on whether or not we're going to be able to go over there and just throw some bait out and see what happens. Yeah. I'm still hopeful, but I'm not putting anything. If we are, it'll be a happy coincidence. Yep. I'm not putting any faith in that. If we're not able to hunt that property, we had had a lot of good years on that property. Yeah. And it's another one of those small places that – it's just in the right area. It's seven acres in the right area of the world. But it's also in an area where there's five acre parcels everywhere and everybody that has five acres hunts it. Yep. So it's it's hard to manage deer over there. There's just a lot of big deer in that area. Yeah. Just a good spot overall for sure. Yeah, it's a good spot. It's a good spot, but it's just, it was very picturesque. And especially the way we had the field laid out and stuff, it, it made for some good video. Yeah, it, it did for sure. But but is that all you have for spots up here? Are those or that's all I've got up here right now. And that kind of leads us into South Carolina. South Carolina, because that's the that's the next big one. That's the I feel next like big gonna one. We're going to spend a lot of time down there this year. We're going to have to, and it's going to have to start here pretty soon. We need to be getting our butts down there and doing some mowing. Yeah. Um, I had big plans for the dairy side um i had a field that i was wanting to get cleared to plant corn and soybeans didn't happen we were busy all spring it didn't happen i've not give up hope we're still going to clear that field 
and it's going to be five to ten acres, something like that. It's a pretty good size field. Yep. It's a long field. It's 50, 75 yards wide, but it's two, three hundred yards long, the best yep. I can tell. It's going to be a killer spot. Well, and it's right in the middle of a clear cut. Yep. Everything around it's five, six-year clear cut, so it's getting up high enough. It's thick, and it's got deer traffic all through it. I yep. mean, it's eat up with deer traffic. And I think I'm still going to try to go in there. It's still to the point where it's mowable. Yeah. It's not got saplings and stuff in it to where it's not mowable at this point. So I'm going to try to get the tractor down there, take my time, get it mowed off, put the bucket down. The farmer said this was very, very generous to him that I could take his dozer in there and clear it. You don't turn a redneck loose on a D6. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's just all there is to it. But he told me, he said, eventually this is all going to turn into cattle ground anyway, so the more you clear, the less I have to. Right. But at the same time, we'd run into the situation like we did over at this other property. We'll take off all the topsoil, and it's going to be hard to grow. And yep. So we're going to take some time. And we're going to take it easy on that and see what we can do. Right. And then... I was it, about to say, just, just to be clear about it, the way this property works down there is you've got two spots, two properties. Two properties, yeah. Uh, dairy farm, turkey farm. Turkey farm, yep. You got two farms there. Turkey farms and approximately 250, 300 acres. The dairy farm, um, we've got three, four hundred acres there to yeah. hunt. So it's and, it's a big area, and it's and it's wild because they're five minutes apart. Completely different soil content on both sides, from what I can tell. A 100%. Completely different layout. Completely different uh, stages of timber growth. Everything's different. about Everything the two is different about those two, and spots. they're less than five minutes apart. Yep. And the dairy property had not been properly managed before I got my hands on it. Yeah. Um, the guy that was in there before us. Now the, I say that there's a lease side and a dairy side. There's kind of two parcels that butt up to each other. Yeah. The lease is where all the clear cut, clear cuts and thickets and stuff are, and then the property we're just allowed to hunt is the dairy side and yep. where all the cows are and where me and you almost got attacked during shed season and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I say, I hope they're gone. We go down there to work on this stuff. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. They're just going to roll us around the field. It's fine. Yeah, I like to play with cows. But anyway, <laughs> so the guy that leased the side, the lease side before we got on it, he did not do anything as far as property improvements. And you've been around me enough, you know... I'm as much into the property improvement as I yep. am the hunting. Um, we've had it for three years now. The right. first year we had it, first yeah, first year we had it, I didn't kill a deer off of it. Um, there just there was one or two deer that I would have shot, but they weren't they weren't quite there yet. Right, Dad killed a nice deer off of it. Yep. Um, but they just as far as I was concerned. There wasn't a whole lot there that I was interested in. I was more interested in letting them grow. The second year, I shot a mature seven point off of it the last day of the season. Very last day. Similar to what I did this year. Yep. Shot one deer. That was the first deer I killed off that property. And I'd been working it and baiting it. Food plots were starting to come along. Um, Mineral programs starting to come along. Supplemental feeding starting to come along. So it's starting to get there. This past year, we had probably six or eight shooters on that property at any given time yeah um ton of deer coming to the plots every day ton of deer coming to the other areas every day it's really starting to develop and i'm super excited to see what that property is going to be in five years 
because it's like we said, it's not a one year thing. It's a process. Right. And I'm more excited to see what happens on the other farm. Cause there is a legend. Oh yeah. A moose. A yeah. deer that just you don't see deer like that in South Carolina. No. There's a deer on this other property that we've had pictures of. This will if we get pictures of them this year, I hadn't I don't have any cameras up out there yet. We're behind. Yeah. But if we get pictures of him this year, this will be the fourth year. Last year, he was a mid-150s deer at least. Mainframe 10-point kicker, stickers, trash everywhere. I don't know that we have a solid name for that deer yet. Need to name him. We've called him everything. I I started calling him Superman. That was what I was calling him last year. But I never could find his kryptonite. I never could find that one thing that would take him down. So... We're still working on that. Still working on it. But it makes me excited. There's a lot of younger deer on that property. A um, lot of potential. Yep. That property has a lot of clear cuts that have made it. It's got a lot of uh, planted pines and stuff that have made it really hard to hunt in the past. Those planted pines are starting to mature, which it's starting to get up taller where you can see through them a little better. And that's giving the deer a little less cover. So what that's pushing them to do is to move to, to back to the traditional bedding areas. Yeah. For the past six or eight years, they could just lay down anywhere in those pines. You'd never see them. Yep. Now that the pines are getting bigger, we're only probably four or five years out of a select cut of thinning, which will open it up, and then then you can really hunt those pines. Yep. You can really hunt those areas. So I'm excited for that property. Yeah. There's a lot of good things coming down the line on that property, too. And... We've got three food plots to do on that property. Yep. We've got four or five to do on the dairy farm. So, yep. And we're going to try some different stuff down there. We're going to do our brassicas. We're going to do our turnips. Deer down there love turnips. Yep. I remember the first time that a turnip was planted down there, the owner's son planted it. And he told me, he's like, man, he said, I don't know what you got to say about these turnips. He said, I can't get a deer. They ain't been a deer in this field all year long. It was foreign substance to him. Yeah. Now, he didn't pay no attention to it. I went down there shed hunting, found two sheds in his turnip patch. They had mowed it off. Mm. They figured out what it was. All right. So guess what I planted next year? Turnips. Turnips. And I have video on that camera. This is back in a 2010-ish time. Yeah. Of deer standing there with a turnip sticking out of its mouth, six, eight inches on each side. Yeah. I mean, they're just mowing them off. Right. They're loving them. But, uh. It took them a year to figure it out. Right. We talked about that so, with Sean Lundy. Exactly. You know, just one of those things. It takes time. It takes time. Everything, nothing nothing is automatic. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm looking forward to that spot. And if nothing else, we've got to get down there to turkey hunt. <laughs> that place That's haunted me. Slap I'm up telling you, it has haunted me all year thinking about all those turkeys. Well, we had it planned and something happened. Yep, stuff just come up. I mean, it That's happens. how it is. That's the way it happens with us oh, anyway. But I can't wait to get down there, though. That property, the farmer saw no less than 150 turkeys Yeah. on any given day down and there. And if you think we're kidding, literally go to our social media, scroll down, do you see the tact, the tact camera reveal photos with all the turkeys? It's ridiculous. It, it's obvious when you see well, it. Well, and I mean, every, every episode we filmed down there, you would see yeah, flocks see turkeys. of 20 turkeys in yeah. the episode. I mean, it's just insane. Had that one bearded hen that had like an eight inch oh, yeah. beard. I mean, it was it was nuts. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm I can't wait for us to get under a turkey hunt. That yeah, 
But that's going to be some good deer hunting this year, though, too, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm excited. I, I, I always get excited about going down there because even if I don't kill a deer down there, we're going down there with Dad. We're going down there yep. with Chris and going down there with Greg. Yep. That water, always ha- a good time. that water had Greg. We're going down there with him, so <laughs> we're always going to have fun. We're going to oh, eat yes. good, and we're going to have a good time. Oh yeah, it's always a good time. And that's that's the that's our traditional hunting camp. When we're hunting yeah. up here, you never know when you're going to be pulled out to go back to work. Yep. When we're down there, there ain't no work. You can't just yep. jump up and go to work down there. So that is our traditional hunting camp, and yep. I love it. I, I love awesome. it so much. I really do. But we need to find. We need to. Well, you. I guess if you want to talk about plans and stuff, we've also got you got the Illinois hunt coming up. Got to hunt up in Illinois. I'm excited wait for that. about. I think we've that mentioned one. that a couple times now, but it's just the excitement coming up to it. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I've, I still, you still need to figure out if I get to go. Yeah, I don't know Damn. if that's gonna happen. Oh, we need to figure. I, that I think out. he's about booked up as far as. But regardless, we're going to be videoing. Right, that's what I'm saying. Um, I just want to go to film it. And if something happens, and I'm able, fortunate enough, to take a deer early. Our bush hog grep and his son's going to be up there. So may try to go film with them too. Yeah. If they'll allow me to. I, I haven't run this by them at all. But right. my number one focus is this has been two years in the making because COVID, right. we had to cancel it last year, is getting this getting this hunt in, getting it on right. video, and hopefully getting something down. Yeah. And I'm sure our other guys have some big stuff planned too. I just have no idea what. Yeah, I know I Mitch know. and Matthew always do something. The only thing I have planned is probably going to Ohio. I got a buddy who's got a buddy who's got like eight or ten acres in Ohio. Yeah, that's butted up against like national forest or whatever. Oh, it's, nice! It's nice. I've been looking at it on Onyx Hunt. It seems to be promising. I'd like to go up there sometime now, like soon-ish. Just yeah. go up there and just to see it, just to look, just at to it. scout it out, throw a camp, throw up a tactic cam get some pictures flowing at some point just to see what's coming out because i could heck i could pay him to put corn out for me because it's his backyard basically yeah i'm sure he'd do it but you're gonna have to check your baiting laws i don't think ohio's a bait or whatever yeah i have no yeah before i say that yeah i would know nothing about it i've looked nothing into it at all never been never hunted ohio so yeah i'm pretty sure ohio is a no bait state i may be wrong i'm actually i I think i am wrong because i think frank and seth hunted up there say i think you think you can I, I, think, no, I think they had a lease up there, and they showed me pictures, and it looked like they were baiting corn, so it may be yeah, a baiting state. I have no idea, but we'll figure that out. But I, that's the only thing I really know of that I have going on out, out of state that's not right here out of state. Yeah. Know? That's not North Carolina, South Carolina, or Tennessee. And I've also got the Georgia pig hunt oh, yeah, in December. Pig hunt so we're moving it up this year. We're going to do it, I think, the second week of December this year yep. instead of so late like we did last year. Yeah excited about that that's gonna be sweet yeah i that's always a ball of fun i mean hopefully get more video done this year yeah last year we tried to do everything on the tacticams and it mm, it yeah. just it was hit and miss yeah tacticams are awesome they're great cameras to use they're a great camera but they're it's hard to make us a hunt solely off the tacticams because they're yeah it has to be planned out and you gotta have more than one person running more than one person running the cameras yeah but uh but other than that, I mean, that's kind of it as far as what we got going on planned there. Yeah, um, I think that would be a good is, stopping point for us. Just for about one. it, I think. Um, I think that'll wrap us up. We're going to talk about the Alabama trip in the fourth, and I think we need to just put that off for another time because we're getting... Yeah, we're probably an hour and a half into this one. Yeah, I think that's enough for this one. We'll save the rest of that for episode nine. Yeah. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I went to Alabama fishing, offshore fishing. Yep. 
Fourth uh, of July antics and right stuff. Here. Yeah, we had so, some stories there. Yeah, we got some good stories on that. We're going to save those for the next. About to say podcast. we'll be recording this podcast in the next couple of days because guess what? Yep. It'll be released Wednesday next yep. Wednesday. It'll, so it'll be time to talk about it. So we ain't going to be too far out of that stuff. But. Lord no. And we'll probably go. We we talked about our food plot timeline now or this week. We mm-hmm. need to talk talk general timeline. You yeah, know, general gonna, time. What you should be doing overall for hunting now. Yep. As far as tree stands, as far as you know, practicing with yeah, your bow and stuff. Get you your all, bow out. You you need right. to be shooting right now. Yeah, I right mean, now is time to be doing it. But we'll be talking that probably in the next podcast. So, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So stick with us. Here. We'll stick with us. And as always, guys, we want to finish the show by saying thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the YouTube stuff. And a big shout out to all of our partners, all of our sponsors. Yep. Tacticam, Big and J, Onyx Hunt, NAP Archery, Bone Collector, Remington Garmin, Realtree, South Toe Outfitters, Carhartt, Mountaineer Outfitters, everybody that helps us out. We yep. really appreciate you guys and everything that you For do. Sure. And we're going to keep keep putting this stuff out. I mean, we're going to keep coming at you. So yep. we got sorry. a lot going on. We're going to try to keep our timeline, keep our stuff going yep. be looking out for season two it's not coming. this friday next, next friday. friday we'll make another announcement on our podcast yep. next week so it's gonna get real busy here real quick and sorry for our youtube guys our camera just cut off again but uh no it's on nope it, i just watched it come back on oh well it's probably not recording now but well if you're watching this on youtube we're having technical difficulties with like the camera the last week. as always but um anyway if you have suggestions for a good camera to film just you know, it's low quality with. We just need podcast. to delete that one out. We need to get you rid sure? of all the. Videos I don't know because I don't know. If that's what it is or not. It is. It filled up all that spot from where I erased that stuff. Guess but it did. But yeah, we need. Anyway, to, guys, we'll have it figured out. Soon. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But <laughs> regardless, we appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to us. Um, if you get a second, get on whatever listening platform you're on, whether it's Apple Podcast, Spotify, or YouTube. Give us a rating. Write us a review. Make sure and hit subscribe, ring that bell. It's going to really help us out, help get the yep. word out. Tell your friends, tell your brother, tell your uncle, tell your cousin, tell everybody. Yeah, so tell them all. Get the word out, and I think that's it. I, I think, think that's, that's everything I got. Basically wraps it up for not. All right, guys. Well, once again, thank you for tuning in to season, for episode eight, season yeah. eight. Episode eight of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast. Everybody knows everybody well, they sure as hell know me. In that map dot town, 65 southbound in the middle of Tennessee. Yeah, I left black marks on every turn to sharp like Bodu can generally. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Realtree, the official camo pattern of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Be sure and check out Realtree's newest pattern, Realtree Timber, to stay concealed all season long.